Well, g'day and welcome to this podcast coming from you live from the Compassionate Mind Foundation in London. And usually Stan introduces these podcasts, but Stan's been very busy today. He's been running a workshop. And so fortunately, uh, we get to have a special guest on the podcast today. And I am, I am sitting here with the wonderful Dr. Nicola Petrochi. <laughs> Hi, Nico. Hello. Hi, James. Thank you for this special guest. Well, you are a very special guest. Nico, just to give you a bit of background, um, is one of the most brilliant compassion researchers we have. Um, we're very lucky with the work you've done. Um, I would say very much type in Nico Petrochi on Google and you'll see the different papers he's done around looking at the impacts of compassion on HIV. Nico's actually an expert in physiology. He's also connected with many big researchers around the world. So he was based at Boston University. Yes, yes. You did a postdoc there. Yeah, well, uh, part of my PhD, I was uh, with uh, Stefan Hoffman at Boston University. Oh, wow. And so now I'm connected with amazing researchers like James Kirby. Do you know him? <laughs> 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 and yes, and that's the beautiful part of this work, I think, that mm. you can be connected to amazing minds and soul and thinkers actually so that's 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 actually what i love about this work it is an, it is an incredible community um but nico tell us a little bit about some of the research you're doing at the moment okay yes um so it's it has been ex an exciting two years because we have you know developed all together this new manual for cft so we have been thinking about how to um, implement CFT in several settings. So my research now is um, trying to do um, groups, CFT groups with specific populations. So technically what I'm about to do in the next, I guess, couple of years, because times are sometimes slow for, you know, ethical meetings and stuff. It's one to do groups with LGBT population specifically. So like uh, lesbian, gay and bisexual yes, populations. Yes, exactly. Yep. Because I, I've been lucky enough to be connected with an uh, amazing researcher in Italy. His name is uh, Roberto Baiocco, who works at the Sapienza University. So the big Italian uni uh, Rome, uh, university based in Rome. And so he invited me and, uh, and collaborate with, um, on, with C using CFT to, you know, help gay and transgender and lesbian people to overcome shame and, yes. and especially with the, in the process of coming out. Yeah. Wow. Plus, uh, I was uh, really excited to be invited recently by a virologist. So, you know, doctor, medical doctors are becoming more and more interested in, yes. in meditation and, uh, uh, you know, compassion and how it impacts uh, physiological indexes. And, and I was invited by these virologists to think about how we could help uh, newly uh, diagnosed uh, HIV patients. Right. Uh, not, not only newly diagnosed, but also people with, uh, that are taking medicines. But we know that the CD4 levels, so levels of their immunity still sometimes fluctuates. Yeah. And, uh, and they think, this, med this doctor actually thinks that it's due to shame and due to stigma and due to a lot of you know, psychological Fact. things. And so, yeah, so uh, like he thinks, we uh, think that you could help us, you know, CFT could help us uh, target this problem. So the next step will be to try to design, to adapt the manual to this particular population and see if the, CM the immunity goes on and increases after the intervention. 
wow. That is incredible. (laughs) So, I mean, just to give that some context, Nico's been working on developing uh, the manual for compassion focused therapy over the last two and a half years (laughs) or something. But Nico uh, is going to, you're going to apply that in a, in a trial for individuals who have been recently diagnosed with HIV? Both recently diagnosed and uh, that have already been treated with uh, antiretroviral, which is yeah. the medicine that at the moment is the m- uh, most used. And it's, very, it's a very effective medicine because we know that uh, it re- basically reduces the viral load, mm. so the quantity of the virus in your blood. Mm. But that um, is only one parameter to you know predict the health of someone mm. with mm. HIV. The second one, is how actually your immunity is, uh, how high it's. And sometimes these second parameters fluctuates. Mm-hmm. So even if your level, the virus of your, in your actually in your body is zero, mm. still you can have some fluctuation in your immunity levels. And that is due to the effect of stress. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know. And shame will impact And shame, stress, and yeah. shame because it's, uh, we now know that self-criticism uh, creates a inner, were you know in a war yeah so that sometimes uh, we know that it's it impacts on uh, your physiology oh my goodness nico um, I, I, that, <laughs> this sounds so cutting edge <laughs> come incredible. on you've, do, you've done amazing you're doing amazing <laughs> yeah. stuff james no, don't be don't <laughs> just, uh, uh, please just enjoy the positive praise <laughs> no seriously i'm in awe of that uh, uh, uh application of, yeah. of, of the manual to to this population to see that it could not only impact psychological markers but also physiological yes. immunity markers is just huge. Yes. So, so hopefully you'll have something to present on that even. Yes, next maybe year. next year in uh, Edinburgh. So you guys are super welcome to come. Yes. Be <laughs> many things. <laughs> yes, um, so I guess it is. I mean, I just wanted to first set this interview up with discussing some of the amazing work you do do. So Nico has done already a lot of uh, publications looking at shame and com- fears of compassion with uh, within LGB population groups yes. as well and minority groups as well. Um, so this is a, a body of work that's been building over quite some time. Uh, but I, so I wanted to pay homage to the work that you've done because it's incredible. Thank you very much. The next thing I wanted to mention is it is day one of the conference. So what did you do today? Today was a series of workshops, but what what did you do? So today uh, it was amazing. It was amazingly like beautiful to be in a stand workshop on motivational interviewing. And uh, we spent a whole day um, watching at how we can motivate people to change. And the most interesting thing that I learned today that's mm. crucial mm. is that we actually don't have to motivate people to change, but actually we have to, in a way, help people to find their own motivation to change. So it's, it's a, you know, Stan has been so skilled in showing us how we can pose questions uh, in a way that the, the, the patient, or, and even us, also us, uh, actually realizes that he already has the motivation to change. You just have to be more aware of what our, what is the motivation to change is. So instead of us pushing for change, we actually help people to, to change more, I guess, naturally and with that inner motivation. So it was great because, um, you know, you can know that compassion is a motivation and sometimes it's hard to shift, you know. For example, I was thinking that 
sometimes we are too much in a competitive mindset all the time, you know. Yeah. And sometimes we need to choose to move to a more compassionate yeah. mindset and motivation. And mm-hmm. sometimes you need to say, okay, why would I want to do that? You know, what, mm-hmm. you know, what, what would help me? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's such so relevant for compassion plus therapy. No, I, I agree. I do think that motivational interviewing as yeah. a technique to apply to therapeutic models is, is, is wonderfully brilliant and shown in research to be incredibly helpful for different populations, so populations yeah. with addiction and so on. But it seems to be such a perfect addition to it's a compassion-focused therapy yes, approach. Yes, it's perfect. Also because, you know, James, you've been working together, we've been working together on the many concepts of CFT, and one of them is the inner wisdom of people. Yes, oh, know. that's right. Yeah. And, so and, and as the MI approach, as you say, is not the therapist getting... Uh, uh, arguing for change for the exactly. client, but helping the client argue for their own change, which allows validation of their intuitive wisdom. Yes, and also it was interesting because the validation for the therapist sometimes we might not want to change, yeah. and like showing the deep acceptance of the other person, like mm-hmm. even if mm-hmm. if when the other person comes and say technically that he doesn't want to change, and I, I think I really really appreciate the fact that. We can stay with patients and with people even when, mm. at the moment, they are not so motivated to change. You yeah, know, yeah. so it's it's such a, you know, honest approach to to human being. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and Stan Stan Steinle, uh, my my partner in crime on these podcasts, it, yeah. he is a, a world's expert in it, and it's delightful when you see him in action. Yeah, and you should too, you guys should attend uh, one of these workshops because he uses basically many ways to teach mm. like music and yeah. songs and yeah. role playing so I, I really it was really spotting really, the language yes motivation language really yeah. beautiful <laughs> no oh, fantastic <laughs> I, I i sat in on chris irons's workshop um exactly. which I was, was about to ask yeah sorry sorry i got ahead of you <laughs> what did you do today <laughs> well we looked at um well chris was teaching us around uh the integration between compassion focused therapy and positive psychology oh and and so we were looking at concepts like, you know, being hedonic focused or, mm-hmm. um, in, and how much that kind of fits in with the three circle model, perhaps of drive and how often we'll sort of perhaps be keeping ourselves busy because we're fearful of things. And so looking at those kinds of shifts in motivation, as opposed to living a life um, more eudaimonic around, you know, um, a life of well-being and flourishing, which might yeah. mean some of those other emotions come along with the journey but one of the really my my key highlight from chris today and he did such a great job on it and one of the key things that stuck with me is so much of therapy because it's outcome driven typically is about can we reduce these symptoms of perhaps anxiety or depression however that just doesn't necessarily mean that flourishing and well-being will automatically increase and in fact many people that chris was talking us through in the research um, will have real fears Towards some of these positive emotions, yeah. so you might be able to reduce, uh, say, depression on, on the self-report scale, and they might seem to be more engaged in life. But there's still a fear of embracing or being with happiness. Yeah. So then, the, you know, they limit the amount of happiness that can that can be uh, experienced, um, that they yeah. allow themselves to experience because something bad will happen, or it's seen as being overly selfish, uh, for example. And being fearful of those positive emotions, Paul's done a great paper looking at the fears of happiness and how strongly yeah. that's correlated with depression and anxiety. Yeah. So we did a number of different experiential exercises yeah. trying to sit with positive emotion, two types, you know, the, the kind of active 
uh, energized emotions, sort of excitement, joy, and stuff like this, but also the more uh, kind of rest and digest, uh, low level energy, positive emotions, yes. you know, calmness and content, which again That's fits so, so nicely with the three circle model in uh, <coughs> compassion focused therapy. Yes, it's amazing. And also, I have to say that it fits perfectly with the keynotes we're going to have tomorrow yes. with June Gruber. Yes, yes. Um, so actually, it perfectly fits with what uh, what's happening now in the search on also psychopathology because before it was mostly focused on negative emotion. Negative emotion, how we reduce negative emotions and the negative you know, mood when it's down. And now I think that what's happening is that there can be um, a dysregulation not just uh, of negative emotion but also of positive emotion which is brilliant because basically compassion focused therapy has been to my knowledge the first uh, therapy that has been addressing the problem of um, not studying enough positive emotion so for example the ability to disentangle between one type of positive emotion or uh, you know the blue you know the the more dopaminergic type of positive emotion compared to the soothing yeah. type of positive emotion is crucial yeah. because that is the second one that is actually protective yeah. against psychopathology and June Gruber actually will add tomorrow another little piece which is i think very very interesting she will explain how actually even positive emotion can be dysregulated and can you know bring to some you know negative effects to, 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 to people and I think it's great because that makes us more that makes us wiser you know and that, that gives a, a bigger picture on how we should consider several types of emotional systems and also I think that tomorrow will be such a great integration to what we already know in compassion focused therapy that sometimes when we want to overcome a psychopathology we don't just have to want to reduce negative emotions but actually we want to increase one certain type of you know positive affect yeah. and actually this very increase is what uh, brings about uh, uh, an increase in your mental health and so it's uh, it's so it's such an amazing uh, moment I think for us because <laughs> I agree you know compassion focused therapies has been so uh, I would say I don't want to use a term that is like uh, misleading but holistic in a sense because it's been encompassing a lot of well, it is a biopsychosocial model, right? At exactly. its core, so it tries to integrate all of these uh, ways of understanding mind and body. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I couldn't agree more, Nico. Can, can I ask you something now? <laughs> I'm not the interviewer. James, James Kirby. Okay, last question. Last question. <laughs> last question is yeah. my last time. Tell me first question. Okay. Oh, this is my last question. Okay. <laughs> so the question for you is: What are you excited about your the the, the terrific amount of work you are doing at the moment? Because you guys oh. know that James Kirby, oh. uh, he probably also sleeps sometimes, <laughs> some hours. But I want to know now: You you need to declare to the world the amount of work you're doing, <laughs> and you want you to select something that you are particularly like excited about. Oh. Jeez, <laughs> come on! I know <laughs> you're, you're. I mean, you're just. You're just I'm <laughs> your fan. I'm your like. <laughs> you're just very nice. Um, no, I, I. That's a hard question, isn't it? Like, 
My goodness, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, none of my projects sound nearly as exciting as what you're doing with the HIV population. Come that just blows on. my mind. Um, just the impacts this might have on people's lives, right? Um, but, jeez, oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess at the moment what I'm enjoying the most is uh, my past uh, research. My whole PhD was in the field of parenting. So I've been trying yeah. to do a lot of work about uh, merging compassion-focused approaches with parenting. And there's already a lot of people within the CFT, CFT community that are doing these sorts of things, like Michelle Cree, for example. Yeah. Um, and so I've been, it's been great learning from them and the work that they've done. Um, and so I've been trying to look at ways that we can apply this or embed it more uh, within our current evidence-based parenting programs. So, which is um, already well, you know, established. Yes. So yeah. You published a lot on that. You published a manual. So, <laughs> it's such a big integration to you know the, your past work. It's amazing. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and my sense is, is it a case that if we focus on compassionate mind training, uh, does that do the bulk of the work? So, mm -hmm. for example, if parents parents feel very judged. Uh, they constantly feel judged about how they're parenting. They feel judged by strangers in the public. They feel judged by other parents. They can feel judged by their in-laws. All about how they're going as a parent. Um, if we were able to increase uh, parents... So that makes you very rank-focused, very prone to shame, potentially. It yep. uh, can make you reactive because, you know, when you're judged all the time, it's not very pleasant. Uh, so if we are able to help uh, parents uh, increase... Uh, their compassionate mind training skills that yeah. might increase their wow. uh, physiological, you know, kind of toning, as it were. Uh, will that be sufficient to lead to shifts in parental style? Um, so that's what I'm testing at the moment in lab-based studies, but also in an RCT that wow. we're doing at the moment. So this is incredible because, in a way, parenting can be learned. Oh yeah, sure, that's, that's absolutely, a, right? Absolutely. So there are definite skills, and this is what the evidence-based programs are all about. Uh, trying to increase uh, parental skills and knowledge and competency, um, particularly when you have really um, when you when you find yourself in really difficult and challenging circumstances. Yes. So, you know, you might be, uh, for example, a parent of a child who has a disability, for example, who has a health condition, um, or it could be as simple as the fact that you've got five kids, <laughs> oh. um, which happens a lot, right? There are, yeah. there are parents with many <coughs> children, and there's only one of them around all the time because the other one is working interstate. And so that becomes very challenging, being able to balance all the balls in the air and still remain as much as you can sane. <laughs> it becomes very yeah. difficult and very challenging. So we're kind of just seeing, well, if we were able to help the parent, uh, perhaps through compassionate mind training, um, build their kind of uh, physiological, target that physiological um, uh, sort of targets within the body and increase vagal tone, as it were, would that be sufficient? To bring about, as we mentioned before, as what motivational interviewing will do, bring forward the intuitive wisdoms of the parent. Um, and I suspect for some of the population, yes, but others will also need the additional. And here are some parenting strategies that can be really yeah. helpful. So I have just last question for you. Since <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, uh, because you're, once you're since you're talking, I I'm having enough for last question. <laughs> so um, you guys know that uh, James has published amazing meta analysis, and so you are you have become very recently one of the lead researcher on compassion focused <laughs> therapy. I, I hope you're aware of that. <laughs> and uh, I clearly see the reason why, because you are incredibly smart and, and your soul is, is amazing. And I think it's a good combination for being a researcher. And uh, the question is, how did you like, 
what was your path that led you to become a CFT researcher? How did you, how did you find CFT? And, uh, you know, just uh, give us... <laughs> Because I'm supposed to be interviewing you. I know, I know, but I'm curious because I never asked you that. Yeah. How um, did you be like? How did you? How did you? Oh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I want to ask you now the same question as well. So you have to answer it as well. Okay. So I'll answer, then you answer it as well. Just reading. I just, just reading. I was very interested in how how to help relationship, particularly conflict. Mm -hmm. How do you help with relationship conflict? Because the work I'd done previously, the strategies that I was using in the interventions weren't particularly powerful. They were bringing no change. So it just led reading to more uh, research around mm. how to impact relationships, which led me to reading Paul's work. And okay. I was like, oh my goodness, why did I not read this for 10 oh, years ago? Okay. And then it just, just uh, snowballed from there. And then I started doing the practices myself and... And then you came yes. to yeah, the UK okay. and... Yeah. <laughs> and then the rest is history. So it's not a very exciting story, but it just Paul's book, um, Compassionate Mind, is just, yeah, really life-changing. Changed. Yeah, yeah. Life. What about you? Yeah, almost kind of similar, uh, because I was, I uh, remember I was working in an uh, immigrant camp, a camp for, actually a deportation camp for uh, illegal immigrants in Italy. So I realized that the skills that I had, CBT skills, uh, were not enough and I remember one night I was like you know surfing on Google and uh, I've always been interested in visualization and oh. for some reason I found this web page where the compassionate image visualiz visualization was explained and I felt like wow this is this is I want to learn that yeah. and, uh, and so I went to the um, to Paul's website and I found that there was a workshop in Le Canarie, Canary Islands, and oh, yeah. then that's when I started. That's where everything began. <laughs> the first workshop I did was um, he did a full day workshop at Stanford on a one day introductory to compassion oh. practice therapy. It's seven hours of free material on YouTube, oh. and I, I watched the whole thing across my weekend oh. and did all of the exercises. <laughs> and I just loved it. It was just I could. So you actually went after surf on Google. You went to the Canary yes. Islands based on that. Yes, and there was. I need to know more about visualization. Jean. And I remember, I still have the same compassionate image that I created that day, seven years ago. So Well, now I want to ask what the image is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, should, we should start to wrap up. Because, um, oh, Nico, it was, you know, thank you for, for being our special guest. Thank you for being James Carey. <laughs> <laughs> I just cannot believe you switched it so seamlessly. I, because <laughs> I have such an admiration for you. <laughs> You guys, like, you have to know that, uh, you know, James is so far from from Europe, so you should be scared because we are going to steal James from <laughs> you. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I will come well, to you Australia. are going to come to Australia. <laughs> will. We will work Thanks. this out because it would be unreal <laughs> to have you. But thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. You.